Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Churches podcast, where we are committed to building irresistible bridges between the unchurched and Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, a big welcome to you guys. If you are brand new to this podcast, if you are returning to this podcast, a big welcome to you still. Uh, We are now in our final part of our series at the movies where we take a movie and explain it into a biblical perspective. Chris McNaughton, our campus pastor, has been preaching about this for the past few weeks and we are now in the final part and the movie that he illustrates, he plays this video before he starts preaching and the video comes from the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If you guys are at all curious of what that scene exactly was, Chris McNaughton is going to explain it in depth at the beginning of this sermon, but if you're wanting to see it in person, you can go visit us on our YouTube channel where all of this content is displayed in video. Oh, and if you guys have social media, please be sure to give us a follow, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. Uh, We post weekly content within that area that is pretty vital on what's going on around here at the Bridge Church and some of the exciting things that are coming up. Well, without further ado, let's dive in. All right, quick poll. Old Willy Wonka or new Willy Wonka movie? Who likes the old one, the original? I can kind of see with the light. Who likes the new one? That's a little more even. How, be, how many aren't participating? How many people are more concerned about popcorn? It was overwhelming the first service. The, the, uh, the first one blew them out by far. Well, either one, whichever one you like, it is kind of hard to like Veruca Salt. She's kind of a difficult character to like. She's just kind of that spoiled little brat. You just, it, it's, I mean, you just don't really like too much. And, you know, fact is, I think... Uh, yeah, well, let's just say she's hard to like. She's hard to like. She's hard to like. Um, but the fact is, I think a lot of times, you know, we kind of look at characters like that or we, we look at stories online or, or watch YouTube videos of people who are just a little spoiled, say a little bit to be nice, or very spoiled, and uh, it's kind of difficult to like them, right? I'm not sure if you've seen this video, maybe you've seen one like it, um, but there's a video that's going around, or used to go around, not sure if it's still circulating, but it was a, a video of this mom who surprises her uh, kid, her son at school for a 16th birthday. He's turning 16. She decides she's going to surprise him at school with a gift, with a gift. She's going to surprise him at school with a gift. So she grows up in a brand new, not new to him, brand new BMW right in front of the school, ready to give this gift to him in front of all of his friends. And if you've seen the video, he freaks out. He has a complete and utter meltdown at the front of this school in front of all of his friends. Why? Because it's the wrong color. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hopefully that wasn't any of you. Um, that, uh, that, that's a little rough. Um, and you watch videos like that, and you're like, I can't believe that. I can't believe it. Some of you are watching it right now. You're like, I'm online, I'm at home, I can watch it. No, no, no. Uh, some of you are hiding in your seats. But you're, it's just an amazing video. You've probably seen videos like that where it's like, I just, it's hard to like them. They're just so spoiled. And we look at them and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe people could ever be like that. I mean, a brand new BMW? Like, I can't imagine a new car. Like, I can't imagine a new anything. A brand new, like right off the showroom floor, still has that new car smell. Like, I can't imagine that. I just can't. I'm brand new BMW? I can't, I can't even imagine that as an adult, never mind as a 16-year-old kid. I would be so grateful. I'd be, I'd be kissing my mom's feet in front of all my friends. Like, I'd be, I'd be over the moon. 
And I watch videos like that and go, oh, how are they like that? How can people be like that? The problem is, the unfortunate truth is, I think that we have more in common with them than we'd like to admit. We all have more in common with them than we'd like to admit. As I was kind of rustling through this, uh, this, this series and this message, I came across this story, I thought. So a, few, uh, a couple uh, weeks ago, we looked at the, uh, the movie Taken to kind of kick us off, and we had that iconic Liam Neeson line, you know, I will hunt for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. It was a great church movie. It was great. I liked it. Um, but we kicked things off with that, and uh, we, we got into the, the, the message. And, and, but before he ever did Taken, he did, well, he did a number of movies, but he also did Schindler's List, an incredible movie, a very powerful movie, a Spielberg movie. Um, it's a movie you don't often watch. You don't often watch. Once is probably more than enough. Um, talking about the realities and the atrocities of, of life in a concentration camp in Germany. And it talks about, anyway, so it's a very powerful, powerful movie. Well, I guess one day on set, um, it was a particularly um, kind of cold and rainy day and a little bit uh, rough and long hours. And, and Liam Neeson was, was getting kind of annoyed. He was just, you know, it's, it's a lot. And getting frustrated. Maybe it took a while to get the lines right. And anyway, he was just kind of done. And he starts complaining about the weather. He starts complaining about the weather and just saying, ah, it's a miserable day and blah, 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 blah. And he starts complaining. Well, one of the, the people on the production team was a Holocaust survivor. And of course, one of the reasons he's there is to help make sure that the story they're telling is fairly accurate, that depicts a lot of what those people went through. It's the most horrendous part of, of history. And he kind of pulls Liam aside at one point and says, hey, buddy, I know it's rough. I know the weather's not the greatest today. But think about what we're doing here. Think about the movie we're trying to project and trying to, to put out to the masses See, the people who went through these things that you're, uh, you're, you're uh, uh, trying, to, trying, to, to, trying to show in this, this movie, these this Holocaust survivors and tell their stories, like, come on, you really want to complain about the weather? Like, think of the movie we're doing. Think of the things that they are, have gone through. This is a real story. And you're complaining about some rain and some cold weather? Well, I guess that kind of shut him up made him a little quieter because it could put it in perspective, didn't it? Put it in perspective of, yeah, there's a lot going on, but yeah, they're trying to tell a much, much, much more important story, the reality of the atrocities in Germany. Well, unfortunately, I think we can relate in a lot of ways because I think we all complain about the weather at times. We all complain about the weather, not just the physical weather, although it's true, you know, for some of you, today is way too hot and you can't wait for the fall. For some of you, like, this is my last day of hope before we get into cold. And like, we fight over the weather, but much more importantly than, than the weather, we fight over other things, right? I shouldn't say fight, but we complain. We complain and we say, hey, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, I want this relationship. I don't want this relationship. I want, I want this way for my kids to act. I don't want this way for my kids to act. I want this job. I don't want this job. And we, we start getting so preoccupied with what's going on in front of us, we kind of lose perspective sometimes. Not that they're not important. Not that they're not things to wish for or hope for or pray for or work towards. But sometimes we get so preoccupied with what's right in front of us that we kind of miss the point. We kind of miss what's going on. One of the things that drives me nuts is when it comes to this topic is when it comes to parenting. Like for me as a parent, one of the things that drives me up the wall is when my kids seem ungrateful. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I think there's a few here that might be able to, <laughs> I saw a few hands, but I think some of you could relate 
to ungrateful children, at least seemingly ungrateful children, right? And uh, I, think, I don't think I've ever gotten so many head nods and agreements on anything I've ever said. But anyway, we could probably uh, relate to some, maybe some kids being ungrateful. And I'm sure nobody in this room, but somebody every once in a while, maybe have friends, have ungrateful kids, and it seems like they're just being ungrateful. As a parent, it breaks my heart. It hurts me to see my kids being ungrateful. And a few weeks ago, I was in the car uh, with my daughters. Uh, I forget what Val was doing, but I had the two girls in my car and they wanted to do something. I forget what they wanted to do. I think it was they wanted to go to Starbucks or something. And I had to say no to them. I had to say no to them. But then I thought, hey, you know, it's a parenting moment and uh, I'm not just going to say no, but I'm going to try and teach them why it's a no. I'm going to try and teach them a little bit about life. I'm going to try to teach them a little bit about finances. And this is going to be a defining moment in their life as we sit in their car. So, you know, I explained to them, hey, you know, it's, we can't go to Starbucks without spending like 50 bucks. Like, this is ridiculous. And, and, you know, as much as I like going to Starbucks, as much as I, I like taking you, we can't do this all the time. And for every time we say yes to something, we have to say no to something else. So if every time we went to Starbucks, every time that you wanted to go to Starbucks, I were to take you to Starbucks, we'd have no money pretty quickly. And we have to learn that we have to make decisions with our finances because we can spend it any way we want it, but we can only spend it once. And I thought, I thought this is going to be a great parenting moment. I thought for years they're going to remember this. I thought as adults, they're going to come to me and say, you know what, I remember that time. I remember that time in the car. And I remember that you said this and it changed the way I looked at things. It changed the way I looked at finances and I I get it. I get it. Thank you. Thank you for pouring into me and not just saying no. That's how I thought it was going to go. It didn't go that way. My daughter, my oldest daughter, my beautiful firstborn child, my princess says this to me. I wish you were rich. <laughs> that's how it went. I wish you were, that's her response. I I wish you were rich. I said, well, yeah, fine, fair. But uh, yeah, it didn't quite go the way I thought. But that's the picture I had in my head. And as much as I kind of got so frustrated in the moment, I handled it all right. But inside, I was frustrated. I was frustrated because it was hard to see my child seeming so ungrateful. I'm trying to explain, you, you need to be grateful for all the things you have. And the fact is, it's easy to see it in others, right? It's one of those things that's easy to see in other people. We see it in our kids. We see it in our coworkers. We see it in our spouses, maybe. We see it on our siblings. We see ungrateful people all over the place. But it's really hard to see in the mirror. It's really hard to see when we're being ungrateful. It's really hard to see when things are going on in our lives that we're just like, hey, I just, I, there's nothing wrong, wrong with wanting this. There's nothing wrong for wanting more. There's nothing wrong. But it's hard to see ungratefulness in the mirror. Easy to see in other people's, in other people, but so hard to see in the mirror. I want to look at a story today, um, a story that uh, is, I'm going to cover a lot. Uh, there's going to skip around a lot uh, in the story. Um, it is covering a lot of history in a very short amount of time, but I want to give you a little bit of the story and what it's going to go on. So for those of you who were here on um, the first week, we talked about uh, the story of Joseph, and we looked at this guy named Joseph, and to make a long story short, he rose to second in command in, in Egypt. And he became one of the, the, the most powerful people there, basically only second to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh liked him and they got along well and was able to make them succeed and profitable. And things were going really well for, for Joseph. And he brought his family up and things were going well for Joseph. All of his friends, all his family, things were going really, really well. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Exodus. It says, now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. 
they're gone. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increasing in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came into power. So he, a new king comes into power, and he has to do essentially a cost-benefit analysis. Maybe he has to do a redundancy analysis, but he has to look and say, hey, there's, there's, there's problems I see. There's things that weren't dealt with. So he sees things that maybe the other guy didn't see. He says, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far more numerous than us, for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies against us and leave the country. Not a problem they want. So they put slave masters over them and oppressed them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses as stone cities, uh, cities for Pharaoh. Source cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They gave them the worst jobs. And not only gave them the worst jobs and the hardest jobs, they worked them as hard as they possibly could. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then, then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So apparently they fear God but have no problem with lying. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order all his to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile, the Nile River, but let every girl live. Can you imagine? Hopefully you can't imagine, but that's the state they're in. That's the state they're in. Things were going really well, generation, generation, generation. A new guy comes in and says, hey, we're going to take care of these people. We're going to fix this because I am worried that they can cause a problem. So we're going to give them labor. We're going to make them slaves. We're going to make the labor harsh. We are going to just be as abusive and as harsh as we can to them. Not only that, they're actively trying to kill their babies, actively trying to kill their kids. I can't imagine a situation like that. But what do they do? Same thing we'd probably do. We'd be on our knees praying to God, please don't let this happen. Please, 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 as 
please step in, do something. I can't fight this, this, this army. I can't fight this, this declaration from, from, from Pharaoh. I can only do so much. Please, please, God, do something. Step in, step in. And they were praying and praying. You can only imagine the mothers, the dads, dads just crying. Please, please do something, God. Do something, well, time goes on, and a guy named Moses is born. And if you know the story, he is in front of this burning bush. This bur- he's out wa- watching the, the sheep in the fields, and this bush starts to, to light on fire, and it doesn't get consumed by fire. It just kind of is this cool little light show. And he's, light, and he's like, I've never seen this. This is weird. And he starts getting close to it, and the bush starts talking to him, which is super freaky. But he, the bush starts talking to him, and God is speaking to Moses through this bush, and he starts talking to Moses directly. He says this, one of the things he says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. I've heard, I've heard what's going on. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Not just, I'm not just going to take them out of the problem area. I'm going to give them a great area. I'm going to give them a better area, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to step in. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, of my, uh, sorry, to bring the, my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Anyway, else? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Ooh, no, just me. It's hard not to do it. Um, but he said, hey, I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard what is going on. I've seen it. I am going to step in and do something. I'm going to step in in a big, big way and do something. Well, again, there's a lot to cover in history, a lot to cover in the story, but, but God steps in in powerful ways, works all sorts of miracles, works all sorts uh, of ways that, that, that only God can and, and shows up in a big way to answer their prayers, to answer their cries of misery, of pain, of heartache. He shows up to answer what does he do? He saves their babies. We already talked about that. Shows up with the, the, the plagues, of course. Ends up convincing Pharaoh to let the Israelites leave. And then he parts the Red Sea. If you know the story, Pharaoh lets them go. Then decides, hey, as much as they're a pain, they're also a huge workforce. And to, leave, to lose them is, is a bit of a problem. So he sends his armies to chase them down and to bring them back. And he's chasing after them. And they come across the sea. There's no real place for the Israelites to go. And in a great movie moment, you know, the, the seas part. There's water on one side and on the other. And they're able to walk through on dry land. See, see God shows up in a powerful way. God shows up in a way that there's never going to work. It's never going to happen. I don't know how this could work. And all of a sudden, God shows up again for them. And things are good. 
right? Things are good. In fact, they start praising God. They start sending praises to God. They're praising God because they just cannot believe what is going on. Not only has he shown up, not only has he done incredible things, not only has he worked in powerful ways. In this moment, he's literally making a miracle happen as they walk on dry land. It's mind-blowing. It's incredible. And that's where they are. Of course, they just can't help but sing praises to God and go, I can't believe what you are doing here. I can't believe it. And when Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry grounds. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel, it's like a tambourine, in her hand. And all the women followed her with their timbrels and dancing. Miriam saying to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horses and driver he has hurled into the sea. If you read the story, there's about 17 verses of them just singing to God, of them just praising God, going, this is amazing. This is what we've been asking for. Maybe you've had prayers where you just pray and pray and pray, and it doesn't seem like God's going to show up. And in this moment, it seems this is bigger than I ever would have thought. God shows up in a way that I never, ever could have thought because that now they're free. They're free. They're able to get through. The army's no longer there. They're free as from slaves, from being slaves. They're, they're free of their harsh masters. They no longer have people chasing after them. They no longer have people trying to kill their children. They're free. No wonder they're praising God. No wonder they're excited. The problem is it wasn't long before the Israelites start complaining. As good as it seems, as wonderful as everything seems, it wasn't perfect. And there's lots of heartache along the way and lots of struggles. Then Moses led, the, led, led Israel from the Red Sea where they just had this incredible miracle. And they went into the desert of Shur for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. That's a problem. When they came to Merah, they could not drink it because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? What are we to do here? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. This isn't science, but I think often God wants us to actually do something. He doesn't just want to step in, but he wants to show, hey, are you willing to do what I've asked you to do? Are you willing to take a step? I'm willing to go move a lot of steps, but I need you to take that first step. And that's a sermon for another day. But I think that's what God was doing with, with Moses here. And he said, hey, I know this seems weird. I don't sound crazy, but you know, you're going to need that kind of faith in order to do what I'm going to call you to do. And in order for us to get through this thing, you're going you're gonna to have to do things that I just... I'm just going to ask you to do, and you're just going to have to step up, and we'll see what happens. You have to trust me. And sure enough, he picks up the stick, throws in. All of a sudden, they've got water. All of a sudden, things are good. We've got water. Perfect. We're on our way. Things are moving. Things are wonderful again. Until in the desert, the whole community were grumbling against Moses and Aaron, everyone's grumbling now. Few as as a few, it spread. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died in the Lord's hands in Egypt. In Egypt, 
Yes, in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Wait, wait a minute. Egypt, the place where, where you were slaves, the, piece, the place where they were beating you, the place where they were literally trying to kill your children. Yeah, but we had food. It was pretty good, you know, it wasn't horrible. They're romanticizing this past and not, remember, not looking at what they had right now. He said, but we had pots. Then the Lord said to Moses, okay, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. God says, hey, I've showed up before. You've seen me show up time and time and time again in your history, but I'm going to show up again. I am literally going to rain down pita pockets from heaven. Okay, maybe not pita pockets, but I'm going to rain down food from heaven. Food from the sky is going to come. Like, that's how I am going to take care of you. That's how I'm going to look after you. That's the extent I'm willing to go as we journey together. Perfect. Perfect. God shows up again. Well, the whole of Israel community set out from the desert of sin, traveling to the place to place as the Lord commanded. They came, sorry, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Perfect, no water. We've been here, right? We've been on this story before. We've seen no water. We know God's gonna show up. No problem at all. We've seen God show up with the water situation. Maybe he's gonna get Moses to grab a stick. Maybe he's gonna get Moses to do something else, but we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry, right? God's gonna show up. We know he's gonna show up. We're not worried for a second about the water thing because he showed up before. Not how the story goes. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They were hangry, they were upset. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst. Why have you done this, God? Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. He's fed up. He's like, they're almost ready to stone me. That's how upset they were. Time after time after time, God works in powerful ways. Time after time after time, he shows up in incredible ways. Yet time after time, the Israelite people grumble, get frustrated, complain because there's a need right in front of them. In that moment, they got so caught up in the moment, what they didn't have in their hands, that they forgot about how God had provided over and over and over for them in the past. You see, the Israelites protest what God provides over and over and over again. God's providing, providing, providing for them. But over and over and over again, they're just protesting. They're just protesting because they cannot see what God has done before. They can't have that kind of faith where they can say, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know he's going to show up. They're just so focused on what they don't have in their hands. 
I have to ask, I have to wonder, have you ever focused on what you don't have rather than what you do? Ever focused on things you don't have instead of what you do? I know I'm certainly guilty of that. I don't guilty of that. It doesn't matter whether it's the, the latest gadget, the latest phone, the cool car. I can look around and say, there's lots of stuff I don't have. Remember something deeper than that. Again, the job, the relationship, the family. You're like, I don't have that. And again, it's not, that it's, not, it's not that it's bad to want that. It's not that it's bad to pray for something or work towards something. But I think so many times we look at our lives and go, I don't have this in my hand. And God goes, can you look around? Can you look around and see the ways that, that I have provided for you, the things I have done for you? And of course, marketing makes this worse, right? Because marketing's job is basically to show us what we don't have, right? I mean, you can't see an ad or go into the mall and without the, the advertising basically going, look at what you could have. Looking at what, look at what you could have. There's no advertising where everyone's miserable, right? It's like, no, this is going to make everything wonderful. Things like, they say things like, you deserve fill in the blank. You deserve it. You're an amazing person. I mean, I don't know you. I've never met you. But like, you're an amazing person. You are an incredible person and you deserve this. You need this in your life because you are worth it. Or they'll say things like, you know, your life would be so much better if you only had. They may not say it directly like that, but let's say something to that effect, right? If you only have blank, everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be amazing in your life. Over and over, their job is to show you what you don't have, not to celebrate what you do. And the problem with this, the problem with doing this over and over and over and over and over again is that before long, before long, our lives get consumed by ungratefulness. Our lives get consumed by just focusing on what we don't have in our hand that we forget to look around and see all the things that God has given us, whether it be material things or the bigger things. But we forget to say, hey, God, thank you. Thank you for all the ways you showed up in my life. Thank you for all the things you have provided for me. We get so preoccupied with the things we don't have. We forget the things we do. So, if you were to look around your life, if you were to look around your life and your situation, your circumstances, what would you see? How has God provided for you? How has God blessed you? If I were to go around with a microphone, I think a lot of us could tell stories of things that we want, right? We could say the things we want, we wish we had, a day like this, we may, we may want a cottage, a boat, all those types of things. But, we need to go around and say, hey, how has God taken care of you? How has God blessed you? How has God been there for you along the way in your life? What do you have to be thankful for? What do you have to be grateful for? When all we see is what we don't have, it gets hard to be grateful. It gets hard to be grateful for all the ways God has shown up in powerful ways. And before long, we start to look like Veruca Salt, you know, just this bratty little kid who wants more and more and more and more and more because all we see is what we don't have. A friend of mine on, is on social media and she's doing um, uh, this 365 days of gratitude. It's a whole year where she is posting something each day that she is grateful for. 
Sometimes it's just some alone time, reading a book. Sometimes it's something her kids are doing or, or getting to prepare a meal with her family or out on a date with her husband. But every day she posts something she's grateful for. And I love this because I'm not sure if you've noticed, but on social media, it can be a little negative at times. It can be a little rough. It can be a little harsh, but that's her way of saying, hey, I'm just gonna share, shine a little light. I'm just gonna shine a little joy. I'm gonna shine a little bit into people's worlds where I'm just thankful for the things in my life. Not in a bragging way, not in a look what I have kind of way, but in a I'm just thankful way. And I am so incredibly blessed. So while I think 365 days might be a lot, and while in some ways we can do this till Thanksgiving, although it seems a little bit like a Thanksgiving Day message, I admit. But I wonder, what if we could just do it for the next seven days? What if the next seven days, we could have seven days of gratitude? What if for the next seven days on social media, you just post something. You don't even have to explain what it's about. You can, but you don't have to. But for the next seven days, each day, you pick something that you are thankful for. Between now and next week, you post up something you are thankful for, you are glad for. I wonder how that would change what people see on social media. I wonder if just putting that light out into the world can change how people perceive things. That they come across your post. Maybe they, a few of you uh, would come across their post and they'd say, hey, yeah, maybe there's something to be thankful for in my life too. But more than that, I think it's going to change you. I think it's going to change me. I think if we were to do that for a week, and again, nothing's stopping you to keep going. But I think if we were to do that for a week, I think that would change the way we see things. Because I think when we start to look around, we'll be amazed at how blessed we are. That no matter how difficult things are, and I'm not undermining anybody's story. I know there's some real hurts and real pains and real struggles in this room and at home. I get that. And I'm not trying to undermine it in any way. But I also know that in the deepest pit, there are moments to be grateful for. I've seen it over and over in my life. I've seen it over and over in other people's lives that if we look, there are moments to be grateful for. And my hope is not just that it'll change us, not that we'll say, oh yes, I, I do have so many things, I'm so grateful. But we'd praise the one who gave it to us. We'd be thankful for the one who gave it to us because ultimately God gave it to us. So not only would we just be thankful and, and put this you know, general thanksgiving out, but we'd say, hey, you know, I am thankful to God for the ways that God has worked in my life. So if you're on social media, will you do that with me? If you're not a social media person, we maybe journal it, put it, write it down somewhere and say, hey God, I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for the way you have done this in my life. I am so thankful for the way you have provided this in my life. I know it's a busy week. It's a hard week. A lot of you got kids going back to school. Maybe that's the thing you're thankful for. Like that's Tuesday. Like, yeah, um, we are thankful. That's the whole week of gratitude right there. Um, we're good. Um, but maybe, maybe. You find something each day. I know it's a hard week to do this. I'll admit it. But maybe it's the most important week to do it as well. And the busyness of life and the busyness of, oh, I wish I had an extra car. Oh, I wish I had more time in the day. Oh, I wish the kids would be better. Oh, I wish the lunches were easier to make. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. Maybe it's the perfect week to say, hey, God, yes, there's wishes. Yes, there's hopes. Yes, there's things I'm praying about and hoping for. But also, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what you're doing and the way you're working in my life. You see, the Israelites protested what God provided. Yes, they did. But my hope 
I hope that we would actually give praise to the God who provides. That we'd say, hey God, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful for what you are doing in my life. Thank you. I don't deserve it. You are so amazing. What would that do for you? I think it would actually work in you in an incredibly powerful way to give thanks to the God who provides so much. My hope and my prayer is that would not be a people of ungratitude, ungrateful kids, just wanting more, just seeing what they wouldn't, don't have, but would actually be coming to the God and saying, oh, I'm so thrilled that you have done this in my life. May we be a people of gratitude. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you uh, for the opportunity to, to wrestle through this. As always, it is easier, as, as scary as it is to be up here, it's still easier to talk about than to do. Life gets busy and we see all the things that other people have and the wants we have. It's easy to look around and say, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish this would make my life easier and all that. But Lord, there's just so much you have done in our lives and I pray that you help us to see that. I pray that this wouldn't just be some bumper sticker that we, we have. I pray that it wouldn't just be some um, thing that we go home and forget about. That I pray that we would actually actively look for opportunities for way, to see ways that you have worked in and through our lives. Lord, thank you for blessing me in so many ways. My family, this church, my health, just to name a few. You have given me so much more than I can ever deserve. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. As we close out, we're going to invite you to stand up and sing along with the band. And maybe just before you go out there, before, maybe you can post on social media now. But at the very least, be praying to God right now during the song, be thanking Him for all that He's done. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions, you're looking for ways to take your next step, please visit us on our website, bridgechurches.ca. Much love, God bless.